turn on those headphones. It's time for Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine. Welcome to Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine, the podcast that explores all things kinky in a sexy and inclusive way. This show is intended for mature audiences aged 18 and up, and some listeners may find it disturbing. We believe in risk-aware, consensual kink here on the show, so if you do try things mentioned on the show at home, know that neither the show nor the cast are responsible for any accidents, injuries, legal or property damages that may occur while getting your kink on. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of Naughty Talk. I'm Sunny Lee Main, she, her, and I'm here with VD Mac, he, him. How are you today? Hey, Sunny, I'm doing great. How are you? I love how we always say hello to each other when we record, like we're not living in the same house. We're being professional here, okay? <laughs> so today we're going to talk a little bit about mentoring in its many forms and from our own personal perspectives, what it is and what it's not. Yeah, it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I I love mentoring. So mentoring can be done in a lot of ways, and we're going to break them down a little bit. And one of the ways that mentoring can be done is in the classroom. And this is something that we both have a little bit of experience in. Yeah, I both in my vanilla life and in now in my kink world, um, we've both done classroom teaching. I've done quite a bit for outdoor survival skills. Our list of classes is getting like yeah, pretty it long. <laughs> it is. It's great. But, you know, we have presented classes in the context of kink conventions. We have presented classes as, you know, individual sort of virtual events or private events, that kind of a thing. So that's one way that we like to share some education podcasting is an educational pursuit, but I think it's a little bit different than teaching in a classroom where you're really engaging with a specific group of people who are there in front of you. So we'll kind of focus on that for today. But I think that when I am teaching a class, it is definitely less of a one-on-one interaction you are teaching to a wide range of people or presenting for a wide range of people with varied ability levels. And it kind of is, you know, what it says on the label, you are going to an event either free or paid. And what you are getting is a perspective from somebody who hopefully has some reasonable experience in the thing they're presenting on. You know, you're getting a perspective of a person on a particular subject, and then there's no expectation that the mentoring relationship is going to continue after that point once the class is over. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, class size does vary, of course. Um, You you can teach a class for one, but generally it's a richer, more fulfilling experience when uh, it's a class size of of six and up because then you do get different perspectives and different questions that you know, allow for a more fulfilling experience, I think. Yeah, I think if it was just one person, I probably wouldn't consider it a class at all. I would consider it a one-on-one. Okay, I have not. I have not. And because I said that at my next convention, I'm going to have just one person show up to (laughs) classes to um, teach me a lesson in modesty. No, I, I try to be very humble. We're always saying that there is no one true source of information. So when we teach whether it's in a class or another capacity, it's always from the perspective of these are my personal and lived experiences. These are my personal thoughts and opinions. And this is what I've based this information on. But please do also consider other sources. And here are, you know, some other resources that you can check out if you're, you know, interested. Don't take my word for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a great outlook to have as a, a teacher or a mentor is to have that here. Here's my beliefs, but go check out these resources too. 
And then, you know, it can be a form of mentoring if you are a fairly well-known, I think, member of the community. It's not uncommon to have people reach out on a personal basis and ask for advice on a one-on-one basis. But again, where there's not any you know, discussion of this is going to be an ongoing arrangement where we're going to be having any kind of exchange or dynamic. It's just kind of a one-off like, hey, I have never done wax play and I bought these candles. Have you ever heard of this brand? What do you think of them? Or do you have any tips to help keep my first scene? You know, I've done a lot of reading. I've taken a class. Do you have any tips to make my first scene really using this wax on a human body? You know, safer or to do that type of scene in a a more risk mitigated way is a better way to describe it, that sort of thing. Yeah. I I think um, for, for, uh, I think actually for both of us, one area that you actually skipped over that we've been asked a lot of questions is primal, but yeah, we, we encourage anybody who's attended any of our classes that if they have follow-up questions, by all means to, to give us a, a message or send us a message. But uh, yeah, I think anybody who's well known in the community at all uh, has probably had those people seeking advice from them. Generally, people who ask us for advice are asking about things that, you know, we do a lot teach about publicly that kind of thing. So primal play, dollification, hypnosis, sensual BDSM, that kind of a thing. Although actually, the wax, I think came to mind because that was a real question that I answered for somebody. Somebody was asking me about their very first wax play scene not terribly long ago and what were my thoughts on, you know, their their planned approach kind of situation. So there are lots of ways that you can teach or mentor another person. And we're definitely going to focus a little bit more today on sort of a traditional mentorship where two people are entering into an agreement that the mentoring is going to be about XYZ and it is going to, whether short or long term, happen over an extended period of time where the mentor and the mentee are going to have repeated contacts and there's going to be, you know, this ongoing sort of relationship. But before we dive into that, I think we really should address a little bit this idea that when you are teaching or mentoring, there is this innate sort of power imbalance. Yeah. I mean, any, any sort of uh, teacher, student, mentor, mentee relationship has that imbalance ingrained in it because the teacher is, is being viewed from a position of knowledge as as the resource for the student. So therefore that power imbalance is going to be there kind of automatically. And that's why you have to tread very carefully when you're entering into a mentoring relationship with somebody because it's very easy to take advantage of the mentee or to be taken advantage of if you are the person who's being mentored. So there are a lot of varying opinions on this subject. I'm just going to go out and say that up front. This is our personal opinion. We know what side of this particular discussion we tend to personally fall on. So, you know, hopefully I get too much hate for this. But we personally both feel that when that dynamic is in play, it is better for it to be separate from romantic or sexual connection. Yes. Yeah. I kind of look at it as there's kind of two sides of the fence when you're talking mentoring. One side is very actively playing with the person who's being mentored. And then there's the side who says, no, that shouldn't happen. And, uh, like Sunny said, both of us are very firmly on the no, this shouldn't happen side of the fence. Now, with the first two categories, teaching a class, giving somebody friendly advice on you know, a casual basis, 
there is certainly a big squishy gray zone. And so I personally draw my boundaries in a certain place, which is to say, if I'm teaching a class, I am probably not going to pick somebody who demo bottomed for me that day, unless, of course, the demo bottom is somebody that I have a separate existing relationship with. That's different. But If somebody volunteers to be a demo bottom in one of my classes, if they come up to me and talk to me after the class and they're really excited about it, I'm definitely not going to say, oh, you really think this thing is cool or hot? Let's take it to the dungeon at the party tonight because I feel like it can create a false sense of safety, like, oh, this person was teaching this class. So it's risk-free you know, to engage in this activity that can happen in people's minds. And that's not the case. You know, I teach on a lot of really edgy subjects and any kind of kink is always going to come with risk. We talk about risk mitigation and, you know, okay, if a person has asked me for advice on one subject, does that mean I can never ever in my entire existence have a scene with them in real life? Probably not. That's not realistic. But what I try to avoid doing is if someone comes to me for advice and says, what can you tell me about wax play? What can you tell me about dollification? I try to really avoid responding with, well, let me show you. Let's have a scene. You know, I will give my advice and then walk away from it. And if down the line I encounter someone in a different setting or if I already have, you know, an existing sort of relationship or friendship or dynamic with that person and down the line things change and they happen of their own accord at that point, I'm probably pretty sure it's not because one time I answered a question about, you know, wax play on fat life, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the instructors that we know, when they're at a conference, they just flat out will not play with a student in one of their classes. Uh, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't say all of them, but I would say a, a good chunk of them, uh, ourselves included. Yeah. And, you know, if you ever see me at a conference and I'm playing with someone in the dungeon after I've taught a bunch of classes, you can be pretty confident that that is a person that I either have an existing relationship with, you know, outside of the con, preceding the con, or potentially that I had a discussion about play with somebody and negotiated and all of that business in advance before they ever had an opportunity to step into one of my classes. That's something that, you know, that conversation took place weeks before. So, you know, it's difficult when you attend a lot of events and there's a lot of overlap between people that you know well on a personal level and folks who are just kind of attending your class. I think there can also be confusion between a demo and a scene when, I do a demonstration with somebody that I play with in real life. You know, sure, some feelings or excitement, you know, might bubble up between us because we have that existing dynamic chemistry. It's very playful. And when I do a demonstration with somebody who's just helping me out to demo for a class with whom I don't have any kind of relationship separate from the situation, it's very clinical. It's very like, this is what we're showing you know, there's no expectation that there's going to be any play or any, really anything beyond that demo. Yeah, I would agree. Do you want to talk a little bit more about a traditional mentoring relationship? That's something you've done more Uh of and not really something I ventured into. Sure. I mean, there's kind of, here's the way I approach it. But as Sunny said earlier, you know, there's many paths to get to the same location. And all I can tell you is this is the path that I use. So what I do is I, if I'm entering into an agreement to mentor someone, there's going to be two rules that they're going to have to agree to. The first one is there needs to be complete honesty between us. I can't help them if they're not going to tell me everything that's going on. And I'm also not going to sugarcoat my experiences. If I've had bad experiences with something, I'm going to tell them, hey, this is where I fucked up when I was in that position. So make sure that you take that into account when you're going into that position. And the second rule is that I will never, ever, ever play with them 
when I'm in a mentor relationship. Or after, right? Uh, generally, yes. I, I won't after either. Yeah. And I, I know that that has come up for you before. And I, I'm sure it often happens where you spend a certain amount of time with someone, one side or the other develops feelings. And that's a really good time to evaluate, in my opinion, ending the mentorship arrangement. Because if you can't move past it, then you know it can create a really unbalanced, uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Generally, in my experience, if one side or the other develops feelings, it's not going to end well. Now, you might be thinking, so does that mean that if I start teaching classes, I can never play again in the dungeon? And the answer is no. And one of the ethical ways that I like to go about it is to prearrange my play with folks that I already know outside of the convention, but who are also going to be attending. You could also make a decision that you're only going to have pickup play or casual play with folks who have sort of an equal footing in terms of that power dynamic. So like staff members of the con, possibly like volunteers or other presenters who are kind of on the inside track because as staff, you're all kind of sharing that level of perceived power. You know, I don't know if it's real power or if it's perceived power, but... Probably a little of both. A little bit of both. But, you know, someone who is not going to, you know, sort of have stars in their eyes because they saw you do a really cool demo. And I think it can be difficult to sort out whether a person is really interested in you as a human being and really wants to play with you, or if they just think that thing you did to someone else on stage is really cool and they want to have that experience. So, you know, I think it's totally reasonable in some cases for a person to come up at the end of the class and be like, would you hit me with that thing one time so I can see what it really feels like? Would you zap me with your violet wand so I can experience that? I attended a, a violet wand class taught by Service and Sarah without an H. And at the end, they allowed people to kind of come up and, um, you know, hold out their arm and experience what the violet wand felt like. But it was also extremely clear that this was a facilitated risk mitigated experience to help people learn and not a scene between the attendees and the instructors. I thought it was done really well. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was done very well. And so you know, it's an individual ethical decision. This is the where we sort of fall on it. When I seek out demo bottoms for a class and again, I do much more of the teaching in a class format or, you know, offering kind of curbside advice if somebody directly asks me for it. But, you know, I think I enjoy teaching. I enjoy playing. I ideally would like to continue to do both. And there are ways to continue to do both. I also think it's important to talk about how you can have a romantic or sexual or intimate dynamic that is a relationship where you negotiate a power exchange. And part of that power exchange is that the D-type, for example, is going to provide guidance or motivation or whatever it is that you negotiate in certain areas of your life. And that's a totally different thing. I would not consider that to be a mentorship. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, one thing I will add, uh, looking at individual uh, mentorships, one of the biggest arguments that is on the other side of the fence in terms of playing with the person that you're mentoring is to teach them skills. But there are definitely other ways to make sure that they learn the proper skills. Uh, one is using a demo bottom, which is one that I like to do, uh, obviously with consent of all involved, or uh, you know, escorting them to a dungeon party where they can sit on the sidelines with you and you can talk about what you're seeing and what skills are being used and how they're being used. So there's, there's definitely other ways 
to teach someone skills without having to actually directly play with them. Right. This person has volunteered to be a demo bottom, or this is my, you know, personal partner. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to hit my partner and you can watch, or if they agree, maybe even you can hit my partner. <laughs> no, because it's like because the partner's not the mentor. So I feel like even something like that would probably be yes. okay. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not a scene, it's a demo. Right. And when I recruit or when I ask around, hey, who's available to help me demo for this class, I think that it's important to be clear. And I mean, I posted an ad for or a little whatever, a little blurb in a Discord group I'm part of looking for demo bottoms before a recent convention. And I've been totally spoiled. I've done a lot of demoing with Panda and we play together a lot. So that's always really fun. And it's easy for it to feel or to seem or to be a little bit more of a scene than a clear cut demo when we do that. And so I was just very upfront, you know, because I don't want someone who sort of volunteers to help me demo to expect that that's going to be, you know, or when I do it with daddy, like we have a real established relationship. So obviously we can't wave a magic wand and make that disappear from the class. (laughs) And and we don't want to. And we don't want to. People comment on watching our relationship basically unfold as we're teaching. Right. And so I have certainly had demo bottoms or partners who were friends, but with whom I don't play or have an intimate relationship. That's always been okay. But I posted very clearly, just to be clear, I'm looking for demo bottoms. It will be a demo and not a scene. I am looking for someone who is experienced in XYZ or you know, comfortable with XYZ, because when it's a demo, it's not about the pleasure of the top or the bottom. It's about the education. That's really the big difference. And so if I want a demo XYZ, and that's not within somebody's limits, no problem, but they're probably not the best demo bottom for that class, because my goal is not to provide myself or them with a pleasurable experience. It's to demonstrate the things that people are coming to learn about. And so I'm going to hunt pretty hard for you know, somebody who is willing to or comfortable with it's within their risk profile within their comfort level to demo the things that I really want to show the class. Yep, that's a great point. And then, you know, the darker side of things, we'll touch on it a little bit. But I think we have both personally witnessed from the outside situations where Someone is saying, I am an expert in X, Y, (laughs) Z. And, you know, or like somebody posts like on FetLife, I'm brand new to the community and I don't know anything about kink. And I would love to learn. And somebody is like now sliding into their messages in the, the group or in their DMs saying like, well, you know, I would like to teach you all about that thing. I'm an expert in that thing. And if you play with me, you know, you're going to learn all about it. And I personally think it's predatory to offer education when really what you're looking to do is F that person. You know, be upfront. It's okay to have a negotiated kink dynamic where you ask for something specific, like, I was struggling with food for a while. And within my negotiated romantic and sexual dynamic with Mac, I told him that, you know, I have eaten a plant-based diet for 12 years and my body is not doing well. And I know that I need to start introducing meat into my diet and it's going to be really hard and I'm only comfortable doing that in an ethical way. And for me personally, that meant eating wild game that Mac has hunted because that is in line with our primal lifestyle. But I definitely asked him to push me, to encourage me, to give me some advice about how I could go about changing the way that I interact with food. So, you know, that is something that I asked for that we discussed and negotiated and had very clear parameters for, even though we are in a romantic relationship. And I don't want to confuse that with, hey, brand new person who knows nothing about kink, let me do all kinds of things to you and call it education. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely a difference. And to me, 
consent is the huge part. And, you know, in my opinion, you should never learn consent techniques from somebody you're negotiating with. You might share, like, if you have a partner that you know is a very experienced wax player or, you know, somebody who does whatever it is, electricity play, and they are your long-term established partner and you've wanted to try it, is it likely that you might say, hey, I trust you, we have this established relationship, I would like to experience this in the context of a scene, and if you fully discuss it and negotiate it, is that fine? Absolutely. But... I think it's just really important to be aware that that is not a mentorship dynamic. That's a relationship where you're exploring sexually with your real partner. So it's kind of about being honest about your motives. Are my motives to have sort of a a teacher-student, mentor-mentee relationship, or are my motives to have, you know, kinky, sexy times together? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think, particularly for for newer folks, it's very easy to get into a frenzied state of mind, and it's easy to say, "Hey, this person obviously knows what they're doing because look, they have uh, I don't know thirty thousand followers on FET, or I saw them teaching a class, so they must know what they're doing." Uh, it should never take the place of properly vetting a potential partner. That's a great point. And, you know, how do you do that? I personally would ask someone, okay, what is the scope of this mentorship arrangement? Like, what are you going to teach me? What am I going to learn? How long will it go on for? What is your experience doing this thing? You know, how long have you been doing it for? How many times have you done it? How did you learn how to do this thing? What were your sources of information? Where can I go for other sources of information to verify that there is a consensus opinion about some of these things that you're sharing with me? And more importantly, tell me a time when something went wrong. Yeah, like what's gone, (laughs) seriously, what has gone wrong and how did you handle it? That sort of thing. And it's different than betting a partner for are we sexually or romantically compatible? Do we have the same life goals? It's a very small sandbox. I would like you to teach me about hypnosis. I would like you to teach me about this and how negotiate in advance. You know, you can do hypnosis sessions that are completely non-sexual. So maybe you do want to mentor someone in hypnosis and do some trance because that's how someone learns. But that doesn't mean that you have to have a scene or that it has to be sexual. Right. Right. There's plenty of cool things you can do with hypnosis without (laughs) introducing any sort of uh, sexual nature topics in there. Really any kind of kink. Yeah. Can be done without sex involved. So kink and play do not have to be sexual, but I would advise personally, if it's a mentorship arrangement against even doing play, yeah, absolutely. You know, keep it in the the zone of demonstration would be yep. kind of my my two cents. Don't have to like it. <laughs> Your two cents and my two cents. Let's make it four cents. Our four cents, which as always with everything that we talk about on the show, please take it or leave it. You know, use what's useful to you. Verify us. Check other sources. We are not a one true source of, of information. Nobody is. So, you know, that's our, our kind of modest opinion. (laughs) And then, you know, my last thought is while in an established dynamic and a trusting relationship, it is common to explore new things sexually. If someone is in a new dynamic or relationship with me and they seem on the fence about something, maybe they don't know enough about it or they're making up their mind. I really prefer not to be the person who makes up their mind. I might say, this is what you can do with this thing and all the reasons that I love it. Go talk to that person over there and ask them all of your questions because I don't personally ever want there to be doubt that I was doing something manipulative or that I was minimizing the risk because it was an experience that I wanted to have. 
So, you know, what can you do? Go to events, get education in a class, attend a taster. A taster event at a con is a great way to have a sampling because you can watch people do the thing, wide variety of things, and sometimes even test it out in an actual sort of mentorship or learning environment. And that's a great point, Sonny. All right. So we're going to get down off our soapbox. <laughs> we're going to stop yeah. rambling. Um, but hopefully, you know, that's given folks an idea about what to look for if they are pursuing a mentor sort of dynamic. I think it can be something that is really useful. Mm. You know, maybe it's got a very limited scope. I want to have a mentor arrangement just to learn how to do this one skill versus like a deeper sort of like this person is going to mentor me for my entire life. Right. Yeah, You know, but it can be a great way to learn, but hopefully, you know, for anybody who's new, those red flags will will stick out as little bit (laughs) naughty talk warnings in the back of their brain and help them make risk-aware decisions. Be safe. Enjoy. Those California vibes can only mean it's time for our West Coast correspondent, Enigma. So next up, we have our very own West Coast correspondent, Enigma. He, him. Welcome back. How are you today? I am doing really well. Um, Got some groceries today. I'm actually going to a munch later tonight. So uh, this is kind of my, my day off of the week. Um, of this stressful capitalist society, but um, otherwise I'm doing pretty good. Wonderful. I have had a very busy start to my week and I'm actually sitting here thinking in my brain, what day of the week is it? I was going to (laughs) say Mondays are a great day to have off. And then I realized it was Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, it's Tuesday. (laughs) When we're recording this, that's, that's the kind of day I've had today, but it's okay. I'm excited to talk about our topic. But before we dive into our main topic for the day, since you are a West Coast correspondent, Mm -hmm. um, any updates on just like cool events you have been attending out there? What have you been up to? Kinky shenanigan time. Yeah, so um, over here, um, I believe since the last time we talked, there are actually a couple of new dungeons um, that have opened up. Legacy Studios is down in like in like the the Culver City area, and then there's Serenity Studios, which is over in Riverside. Those have opened up and have seemed to be doing pretty well. So, um, especially if you live out in the Riverside area, um, that's more that's even more Southern California. They're pretty far removed from Los Angeles area, so it's good that they're they finally have like a brick and mortar dungeon that they can be involved with in my in my local sphere of influence i guess on topic for for it's naughty talk with sunny lee main uh we do have a a hypnosis group that has started to kick off Ooh, um, I, tell me more <laughs> yeah, yes 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 of course um it's called los angeles erotic hypnosis very creatively named uh but yeah no so that that is the the new hypno group out here um for obvious reasons it kind of died off over covid but the the leadership is is definitely bringing it back they had their second munch um this past sunday and we're already planning the the second party back for like i think in may so yeah it is it is slowly kicking off but we're definitely getting back into propagating the awesomeness that is hypnosis out here I'm giggling here. Listen to you completely down the rabbit hole. You're like, we're planning. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. oh, honey, I have, <laughs> we did a, the, we, we did like a hypno dojo, which was the, what they called the, the, like the play party um, at the end of last month. And it was a little hard to focus because we were just in this guy's house. And so it was a little loud, but I was being a hypnotop a lot that night and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I know I've talked to you one-on-one, but um, I actually had somebody who recognized me from your show, from this show. Um, <laughs> Yay. People are listening. That's I know awesome. People, it's awesome. Uh, but come up to me at a party and we started talking. And so she and I have actually started having a relationship but she is also a switch. Uh, and so we kind of, especially when we're playing by ourselves, like we will just go back and forth, like hip- hypnotizing each other. She is definitely easier to put under than I am, but, uh, but she has also been doing it for a little bit longer. So she kind of is, can get into that headspace a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, like I, I have, I have stuff on my Amazon wish list of like little pendants and shit. So that can, and like people had those like, <laughs> people had those like LED gloves with like the light fingers. And I was like, oh, that'd be really like, I'm, I'm definitely hyper fixating and it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. I, I didn't expect 2023 to be the year that I got into hypnosis, but that seems to be the, the trend. Wonderful, wonderful spreading the word about the wonders of hypnosis. It mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, the, you know, sprinkles, the rainbow sprinks, as Panda would say, or the cherry on top of any kinky Sunday. It can really be applied to literally any type of mm-hmm. kink. I love hypnosis. It's like wielding magic. So, yay. <laughs> I had a feeling yeah. <laughs> you might like it. Well, I mean, I mean, yes, because you hip- hypnotized me on the show and it was awesome. It is very interesting that. The something that I I thought about was like I've I've been really into energy exchange play, um, or mm-hmm. just like energy exchange and like helping people calm and like focusing. And I'm just like, oh, I was doing hypnosis before this. I just wasn't calling it that, um, and wasn't doing anything with them. I was just like, oh, you're 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 super stressed. Let's calm down. And I was like, oh, that's that's just hypnosis. So yeah, I have to do an episode on the show about energy exchange i feel like i can't remember if we talked about it i'll have to look back at the storyboards but mac and i also do a lot of energy exchange play and Mm -hmm. um even separate from hypnosis but okay i'm getting off topic (laughs) (laughs) bringing it back in um i get really excited to talk about fun kinky shenanigans hypnosis in particular i am glad Mm -hmm. you are enjoying yourself out there so our topic for today is going to be something that really has a lot of different applications. It's sort of an umbrella term. We're going to be talking about role play. And I'll let you kind of just dive in. And if you mm-hmm. want to say a little bit about what role play even means to you and whether or not that's something that you get involved in often. Yeah, so I I got into role play um, back in, I think, college era. Um, but for me, um, I specifically got into digital role play. So it was uh, text-based, like, uh, role playing with people online. Um, and and really, it comes down to um, it basically describing what you want to do to the other person, and then they describe what they're doing to you, and you just kind of go back and forth with that. So it's that. sexting. It's, it's sexting, but um, with more with detail role w- with role play but also more detail um i feel like with sexting it's a little bit like sexting is a lot of fun but it it, it you don't necessarily have at least in my experience when i differentiate between the two sexting is very simple it's very much like i want to do these things um and then you kind of just agree and it's really hot and maybe there's pictures and blah 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 but with role play like that's really how I, I have explored my sub side. Is that not how everybody does sexting? Maybe it's because I'm a writer. <laughs> I don't know. And I have like creative and like writer type. I don't know. Like Mac and I, mm-hmm. we exchange like whole stories and it's like a whole like back and forth. Like this is exactly, you know, like a primal one. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm running through the woods right now and I feel your breath on the back of my neck as your feet pound down the I don't know. Doesn't everybody sex like that? I guess not. No, no they don't. Um, I guess maybe I'm doing it too then. Yeah, no, it, it's, I was doing hypnosis without knowing it. You were doing erotic role play w- without knowing it. But yeah, so like for, for me, that, that that's really how I, I explored like my sub side a lot more is through a role play because as somebody who presents more dominant male, it's a little bit harder for me to find people that I'm comfortable subbing to. But online, I, I can express that side. I can explore that side. I can find out um, like that's how I found pretty, pretty quickly, but that's how I found out like I'm not into humiliation or degradation because I would play with people who were very dominant, but they were also very humiliating and they like to say like, you're just such a pathetic little whatever. And I'm going to use you in whatever way I want. And I'm just like, Oh, I, Mm-hmm. not for me <laughs> not for me not for me but like it but it is how i found how i i am into kind of being like the the student the kid the like i am being kind of taught how to please the person and that sort of dynamic play so it, it has definitely kind of molded w- the things that i i am interested in and things that i am pursuing when i can as far as kinky stuff and i know that's that's how a lot of people especially because like 
as somebody who like runs a kinky uh, a kinky podcast but also an educator you find people who they kind of find their outlets when they can and so when i didn't really know what kink was and i was very shy and not not really uh, i didn't really come into my sexuality till like till college and so i didn't know what to do with it and so i found this way to kind of express that sexuality in a uh in a you know in a somewhat healthy way so, I mean, let's talk about what role play even is. When mm-hmm. I so when I think about the word, like or words, there are two. <laughs> um, when I think <laughs> about the words role play, so I'm not going to lie. When I hear the term role play, I immediately envision like a vanilla, I don't know why suburban couple, <laughs> but a, a vanilla couple who hasn't really done any kink play but wants to spice things up a little bit, and they're like. Hey, why don't you like be the plumber tonight and come and fix my pipes? That kind of a thing. <laughs> I mean, that definitely counts. It definitely counts. But I think that the reason that I don't associate like really clearly mm-hmm. the term role play with kink is because when you talk to kinksters, they may do all kinds of things that could technically fall under the umbrella of role play because they are assuming a role or identity that is different than like their normal everyday vanilla persona. You know, whether that is like pet play or doll play or age play or, you know, something dark like, you know, capture fantasy, all of that can fall under role play. But when you ask a kingster like what their roles and identities are, they tend to kind of mold those things together. Or if they'll talk about their play in the context of, you know, I do capture fantasy play or I'm really into CNC. And I feel like there are so many specific little, you know, niche kinks underneath that umbrella that we don't use that term as much. So I think that's probably why that pops into my head. And I think that, you know, you touched on something important, which is that that's one of the benefits of role play is that it gives you an opportunity to kind of explore what you're into and you don't have to own something as your full identity. You know, you can try it on for size. It's kind of like an adult game of, you know, like kinky dress up. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the benefits of role play? Um, I, I think uh, a big benefit of, of role play and I kind of touched on it is, is it's a way to, um, explore things in, uh, maybe a more controlled way, a more controlled environment. So to, to just find out if you like it. Um, I, I think that's where like we talk about frenzy and we talk about, um, people getting hurt because they, they jumped into a dynamic, they jumped into, um, some kind of play really quickly uh, without kind of like testing the waters first. So you, if you're doing it um, digitally or whether or not you're doing it like w- with a partner in person, setting it up as this is a role play. This is something that's going to be fun and and very, very like uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start off small. Like if you're doing some sort of like um, if you, if you want to move up to primal, like, all right, let's start off with, you know, maybe, Maybe it's like the the hunter prey sort of thing, but we're doing it in the bedroom. We're not going to go outside. We're not going to do anything with it. You have captured the 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 animal that that you were hunting for, and what are you going to do with it? And that sort of thing. So you can kind of work out <laughs> the kinks um, and and figure out what about it is is actually fun for everybody involved. So for you, it's sort of like dipping your toes into the pool a little bit to try out a new kink without engaging necessarily in physical play because you're going to either do it like digitally by sexting or you're going to talk about it, but you're not going to like fully dive into the physical aspect of the kink that's involved in the role play. Right. Because I, I think takes off the, the stress of trying to do everything, um, everything all at once. Interesting. My brain is very different than yours. (laughs) Um, But that's okay. That's why we have like lots of people on the show and different perspectives. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, I I think again, you know, like I am an artist, a writer. Um, My brain loves to tell stories. So for me, role play is a chance to be creative, but it's also a Mm -hmm. chance to do things that only can exist in fantasy. Things like, you know, you know, I can transform into this thing that is not possible in real life. You know, it just, it gives you an opportunity to add an element of like creativity, a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when I personally do role play though, I'm already like very clear that I'm into the thing. Mm-hmm. 
But I think that the reason that a lot of folks find that it's a way to sort of dip their toes in, as you were describing, is that role play can allow you to explore something without fully accepting whatever that thing is as part of your identity yet. So, you know, you could do a time limited scene with role play instead of engaging in a full time dynamic or committing to something. And I think it's sort of like freeing for the psyche a little bit for your brain to say, I only did this wild thing because it was in a role play, not because that wildness is part of who I am. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's easier for some people's psyche to sort of accept. You know, on the other hand, over here, I'm just like really about trying to live as my authentic self. And I'm well aware that I am like a freak. So I don't really care. I'm like, (laughs) hell yeah. Like, hell yeah, I'm into those things. And that's part of my identity. But yeah, it's a different way to think about it. How about for someone who's new and wants to ease in, like some little tips for sort of trying out role play for the first time? Yeah. Uh, like I said, most of my experience with role play has definitely been digital. Um, like I, I know that we're both on Discord. There are there are actually a lot of groups that you just kind of have to like hunt for them on Discord uh, where it they, they do have kind of role play channels. They have sexting channels. And so you can kind of dip into it. There's a whole website and I'm blanking on the name of it that it is based on role-playing as, uh, as your fursana. There are places for those. Um, it, they're, they're just chat rooms. Some of them are old-school chat rooms that if you open it up, you'll feel like you're in the 90s again um, because they were made and never kind of updated. But regardless, you can kind of get into it that way. You definitely want to be a little bit careful because, you know, you know don't give away too many information. I think that there are definitely different avenues depending on what you're curious about. I know that there are on FetLife, there are groups dedicated to it. Um, so if you want to try to find a digital person that way, you can do that. But also, um, there are ways to kind of try out pretending to be different kinds of characters in the real world. There's a whole uh, group of people called LARPs, LARPers, or it, I know in D&D, they actually get into kind of role-playing as different characters. So if you just want to kind of dip into it from a vanilla perspective and see how it feels kind of embodying a different kind of person, uh, then then you definitely can do that. I went down that rabbit hole recently. I played Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons and Mac is really into it and he has been forever. And I was like, I want to try it. And it was definitely like very much like a daddy little kind of thing because he DM'd the whole thing and I got to play and learn. And nice. my character is a elf princess wizard (laughs) (laughs) all kinds of trouble by mostly blowing things up with fire magic so it was a really fun time we haven't played for a little bit but i definitely enjoyed it (laughs) i've only played dnt once and it was over covid via discord the the dm was some guy in i think denmark and um I only got to play a few times because then his schedule changed and I couldn't get up that early, but it was, it was a bunch of kinksters. And so uh, we all kind of like made our characters kind of a little bit more risque than we probably normally would have. And so uh, my character was basically um, Dionysus and his entire wardrobe was just a very, 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 very loose toga. Basically everybody he hit on first before trying to attack them. <laughs> and kinky D D is a thing. I, I've actually been invited oh, to I haven't done it yet, but I have been invited to do kinky D D. So I can totally see how that could overlap with other types of fantasy role play. Mm-hmm. So we actually kind of already touched on it a little bit, this digital erotic role play thing. And mm-hmm. again, I literally just thought that was sexting, and apparently that's not <laughs> sexting for most people. Um, but that's what I do when I sext. Um, FYI, you know, it's like, it's very detailed. And it's definitely like a fully immersive, like my brain is in this scene kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so kind of circling back to that, you know, I was just thinking about like advice for people who are new. And when anybody is new to kink of any kind, I often recommend doing things like reading erotica, for example, or sharing mm-hmm. stories with your partner that you find to be really hot or sexy. And then, you know, even taking those ideas into things like your sexting before you try them out in real life as a way to test them out. And now I know 
that what I've been doing and advocating for for a long time is called digital erotic role play. Who knew? <laughs> There's definitely different ways to do it. Like, you know, role play can be sexting and sexting can be role play. I'm not going to, there, there definitely is overlap. For me, they are the same, it seems. <laughs> but like, I, I think you can sext and be, be sexting as, as each other, or you can be sexting as, as animals, as different oh, kinds of people. Oh, I see people. what you mean. Okay. Yeah, I definitely take that level of detail, even when it's me as myself. So I guess oh, yeah. that's not role play. That's just like super detailed sexting. Because <laughs> even even when you're sexting, doing very detailed sexting, like it can still be like, oh, I, you know, I can, um, like, I can get hard immediately after coming and then like, keep going and just have sex again and again and again, like you can kind of pretend like biology isn't a thing and, and refractory periods aren't a thing. I can do that for real. <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying that like you can definitely like ignore <laughs> biology, ignore like, you know, you, you don't have to necessarily, you know, clean everything before you, before you use it you, or you can have sex on the beach and not get sand everywhere. That sort of thing in role play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I, I definitely, it's definitely entertaining um, or sometimes frustrating to play with people who aren't as detailed as I want to be. And so I'll like, like give a paragraph and I'll just get in like, Ooh, yeah, that was nice. And I was like, and <laughs> what else? <laughs> like, I feel like the hard part is like when you're actually like trying to get off at the same time and then yes. you're like, oh, God, I got to type, I got to type all these things. And then I it's mean, my turn to respond, but like, I really want to have that my vibrator. Like <laughs> Almost everybody that I have played with, over the years that like as long as you don't just like leave entirely um there's kind of an understanding where it's like at some point hopefully we're both playing with playing with ourselves and at some point there's gonna need to be you know clean up on aisle 12 well i just mean like so if you're like kind of holding up your end and you're being like super detailed and you're Mm -hmm. giving your partner time to like process what you're saying and do what they need to do with their hands. That's not typing. Mm -hmm. It can be frustrating. I feel like if you don't get that back in return for me, because of, because of, because of my ADD, um, I, I will usually have either a porn that is similar to what we're doing or an erotica up while I'm waiting for their response, I will go over and watch that, read that for ideas, but also just as a way to n- not just sit there and wait. It's it's kind of hard for me to focus if I don't mm-hmm. have like things that keep me in in the moment, sort of so to speak. Gotcha. All right, so let's step outside of the digital world a little bit Mm -hmm. and talk a little bit more about like physical role play or Mm -hmm. role play that is part of like a bigger in-person kink scene. So, you know, for all of the wonderful sexting sessions that I've had that have been role play, I definitely think it's something that does make its way into my in-person play. And again, I don't really think of it. I know like logically that it's role play, but that's not really how it feels at the time because generally I'll do things that are really immersive. And generally I'm getting involved in dark role play. And sometimes that role play has hypnosis to make the things that are magical feel more real. So that can be a really cool overlap hypnosis and role play. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have done scenes, for example, like where I will have my partner actually abduct me, like Mm -hmm. in a vehicle and tie me up and throw me in the back of the vehicle and then we'll have like a full like three day capture scene <laughs> at a remote location. I think you've talked about that before, and that sounds like a lot. Yeah, and I mean, I have done that several times, but I mean, a, a role play could be an immersive thing where mm-hmm. there's physical play involved, and you're just basically both committing to this fantasy, you know, to be that other person for a space of time. So, you know, that's one of my favorite types of role play. But yeah, I mean, I I definitely think there's space for exploration, both in the physical and digital planes. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And I I think, like, for me, like I am, I I did the the online role play because I I didn't have that outlet. I didn't know what to 
do with that those fantasies. Mm-hmm. But I, I've definitely found myself less drawn to those role plays as I have been exploring my sexuality and my kink in the in-person community. That is one of the benefits of living where I live is I, I there are a lot of really kinky perverted people out here who are at very least willing to talk about the fantasies, like the, the person that I have started playing with now is she's very much on board with kind of helping play a lot of these fantasies. We haven't really talked about role play yet, but like, it's definitely been, I, like I said, I've just, I've just been less drawn to the digital realm because it, I have, I've experienced that. So now it's time to like, okay, we're going to start experiencing the, the real world and what the real world can, can bring. And I definitely think that, you know, I want to come in and just remind folks that kink and kinky play and role play do not necessarily have to include sex or be explicitly sexual. It can be kinky without being sexual. So just a reminder, like if it sounds like it could be really fun and exciting to do role play either digitally or in person, it does not have to involve sex, just like you can have an impact scene without sex. Same thing. Okay. So I would like to take this topic out with sexy story time. Would you like to tell us a story about one of the hotter role plays you've had? Oh, yeah. Basically, it was in Gotham City. And I got kidnapped by a female Joker. And torture ensued. And it was like we we negotiated. Like, that's, that's one thing that um, I think a lot of people... Um, who get into role play or get into like the digital stuff like doesn't do is they don't really like negotiate their interests. They're like, you're horny. I'm horny. Let's talk about stuff. And I'm like, wait, but I don't, you don't know what I like, but with that, we we talked about it. We talked that it was going to be kind of a CNC type thing, but it's going to be the Joker and the Joker is going to use me how they want. And um, it was, it was really fun. She did a really fun job at keeping the role play like on, on theme like we were she was always the joker and i was always just like a unsuspecting citizen that happened to get kidnapped by the joker and so like we just like used the terms of like in gotham city and all of that and it was just it was a lot of fun um it was really hot it definitely worked on the whole clown kink thing and uh yeah it was it was really fun and it's definitely something that has stuck in my head for for a very long time That sounds like a super fun scene. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I've done a lot of, and combined with hypnosis, a lot of primal hunting scenes um, where I did role play with like wolf and bunny and hypnotically hunted. And because it is role play and it is hypnosis and not things are possible that aren't possible in physical reality. So I actually got to slaughter my prey. And like, as I was tearing the prey apart, the prey was Panda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Getting lost in that scene in my brain for a minute. Mm -hmm, Um, As you should. Back to reality. Yeah. So, you know, being able to actually tear apart and rend my prey, but like my claws tearing apart my prey, causing orgasms or like an orgasm would happen at the moment of hypnotic death. And then because it's role play and it's magic and it's hypnosis, you can like bring the prey back to life and kill it again. That's been super fun. I did a vampire thing. That was really fun. So yeah, sky's the limit with role play. Mm -hmm. I also just want to jump in for folks who are listening. We've said C and C a couple of times. So for anyone who's wondering what that is, it means consensual non-consent play. And just to be clear, it is not the same. I have to get on my soapbox because we talked about it. So (laughs) um, it is not the same as non-consent. A consensual non-consent scene is a scene in which the scene is actually explicitly negotiated. It is within the risk profile of everyone involved. And you might have elements in the scene of things like kidnapping, for example, or negotiate carefully that for that particular scene safe words will be valid but no 
no might be something that you go past or no means yes. And the difference being those are all things that are explicitly, explicitly (laughs) negotiated. It is the first C that is important, the consenting Mm -hmm. part. So I just want to throw that in there since we've mentioned it a couple of times. And I guess, you know, to kind of take this out, if I were to give anyone advice about role play, I would say go ahead and let yourself be creative and enjoy the moment. And if it feels really fun and silly and giggly, like that's okay. You can have a fun and silly and giggly scene with your partner. And if it feels like really, you know, deep and serious and focused, that's okay too. So there is no right or wrong as long as everything is risk aware and consensual. For sure. Like I said, definitely take risks, try try different things, be ridiculous, see what feels right. And if if it goes if it goes a more passionate, intense route, then then follow the fun. I'm I'm a big fan, uh, a big advocate of following the fun. Definitely allow yourself to relax and, and enjoy whatever whatever new headspace you're exploring. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for having this talk with me. This was a fun segment. It was indeed. Thanks, as always, for listening to Naughty Talk. Our show is available on most popular podcast platforms. For updates, to submit a request to be a guest on the show, to write in with questions for our hosts or request lifestyle advice, head over to the show's page at sunnyleemain.com. You'll also find information about my novels, including my Turn the Key series, which are dark erotica with themes of hypnosis, BDSM, and sometimes a little bit of magic. All books feature different kinks and are queer inclusive. I hope you've enjoyed the show and you join us again next time.